0: Book of 2 Kings, chapter 17. If you would read along silently as I read it aloud. In The twelfth year of Ahaz, king of Judah, begat Hoshea, oh, excuse me, begat Hoshea the son of Etliah, to reign in Samaria over Israel nine years. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, but not as the kings of Israel that were before him. Against him came up Shalmaneser, king of Assyria, and Hoshea became his servant and gave him presents. And the king of Assyria found conspiracy in Hoshea, for he had sent messengers to sow king of Egypt, and brought no present to the king of Assyria, as he had done year by year. Therefore the king of Assyria shut him up and bound him in prison. Then the king of Assyria came up throughout all the land and went up to Samaria and besieged it three years. In the ninth year of Hoshea, the king of Assyria took Samaria and carried Israel away into Assyria and placed them in Hala and in Habor by the river of Gozan and in the cities of the Medes. For so it was that the children of Israel had sinned against the Lord their God, which had brought them up out of the land of Egypt from under the land of Pharaoh, under the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and had feared other gods. And walked in the statutes of the heathen, whom the Lord cast out from before the children of Israel and of the kings of Israel, which they had made. And the children of Israel did secretly those things that were not right against the Lord their God, and they built them high places in all their cities, from the tower of the watchmen to the fence city. And they set them up images and groves in every high hill and under every green tree. And there they burnt incense in all the high places, as did the heathen, whom the Lord carried away before them, and wrought wicked things to provoke the Lord to anger. For they served idols, whereof the Lord had said unto them, Ye shall not do this thing. Yet the Lord testified against Israel and against Judah by all the prophets and by all the seers, saying, Turn ye from your evil ways and keep my commandments and my statutes according to all the law which I commanded your fathers and which I set to you by my servants the prophets. Notwithstanding, they would not hear, but hardened their necks like to the neck of their fathers that did not believe in the Lord their God. And they rejected his statutes and his covenant that he made with their fathers and his testimonies which he testified against them. And they followed vanity and became vain and went after the heathen that were round about them concerning whom the Lord had charged them that they should not do like them. And they left all the commandments of the Lord their God and made them molten images, even two calves, and made a grove and worshipped all the host of heaven and served Baal. And they caused their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire and used divination and enchantments and sold themselves to do evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. Therefore the Lord was very angry with Israel and removed them out of his sight. There was none left but the tribe of Judah only. Also Judah kept not the commandments of the Lord their God but walked in the statutes of Israel which they made. The Lord rejected all the seed of Israel and afflicted them and delivered them into the hand of spoilers until he had cast them out of his sight. For he rent Israel from the house of David, and they made Jeroboam the son of, uh, the son of Nebat king. And Jeroboam drave Israel from following the Lord and made them sin a great sin. For the children of Israel walked in all the sins of Jeroboam, which he did. They departed not from them until the Lord removed Israel out of his sight, as he had said by all his servants the prophets. So was Israel carried away out of their own land to Assyria unto this day. And the king of Assyria brought men from Babylon and from Cuthah and from Ava and from Hamath and from Sepharvaim and placed them in the cities of Samaria instead of the children of Israel. And they possessed Samaria and dwelt in the cities thereof. And so it was at the beginning of their dwelling there that they feared not the Lord. Therefore the Lord sent lions among them, which slew some of them. Wherefore they spake to the king of Assyria, saying, The nations which thou hast removed and placed in the cities of Samaria know not the manner of the God of the land. Therefore he had sent lions among them, and behold, they slay them, because they know not the manner of the God of the land. Then the king of Assyria commanded, saying, Carry thither one of the priests whom he brought from thence. And let them go and dwell there and let him teach them the manner of the God of the land. Then one of the priests whom they had carried away from Samaria came and dwelt in Bethel and taught them how they should fear the Lord. Howbeit every nation made gods of their own and put them in the houses of the high places which the Samaritans had made. Every nation in their cities wherein they dwelt. And the men of Babylon made Sukkoth Benoth. And the men of Kuth made Nergal and the men of Hamath made Ashmiah. I'm sorry, Ashima. And the Avites made Nibhaz and Tartak. And the Sepharites burned their children in the fire to Adramelech and Anamimelech, the gods of Sepharvaim. So they feared the Lord and made unto themselves of the lowest of them priests of the high places, which sacrificed for them in the houses of the high places. They feared the Lord and served their own gods after the manner of the nations whom they carried away from thence. Unto this day they do after the former manners. They fear not the Lord, neither do they after their statutes or after their ordinances or after the law and commandment which the Lord commanded the children of Jacob, whom he named Israel with whom the Lord had made a covenant and charged them, saying, Ye shall not fear other gods, nor bow yourselves to them, nor serve them, nor sacrifice to them. But the Lord, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt with great power and a stretched out arm, him shall ye fear, and him shall ye worship, and to him shall ye do sacrifice. And the statutes and the ordinances and the law and the commandment which he wrote for you, ye shall observe to do forevermore and ye shall not fear other gods. And the covenant that I have made with you, ye shall not forget, neither shall ye fear other gods. But the Lord your God ye shall fear, and he shall deliver you out of the hand of all your enemies. Albeit they did not hearken, but they did after their former manner. So these nations feared the Lord and served their graven images, both their children and their children's children, as did their fathers. So do they unto this day. Wow. It's a story of uh, how Israel was broken up into two, two places, the two, two nations. Uh, the northern kingdom, or Israel on the north, and Judah on the south. And they, were, they were divided. And uh, as you, we read, that's the story of how Samaria uh, came about. You read about the Samaritans in the New Testament how the Jews would have nothing to do with the Samaritans they would walk miles and miles out of their way if they wanted to go some places and they, instead of going through Samaria because uh, they, they wouldn't even talk to Samaritans they were, they were unclean and that's because the Samaritans as we read what happened they, uh, uh, they, the Assyrians replaced them uh, would, took the Jews out of the northern kingdom and brought in a bunch of pagans to live in the land uh, so that's, that's the story there. A lot, lot to that. What I'd like to focus on uh, is part of that. We're going to be looking at uh, 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 just a section of this. Uh, this is about 200 years uh, into the division of Israel into, into two nations, uh, the northern kingdom, or the kingdom of Israel, it's also called, and Judah. And both of them had grown worse and worse and worse. Uh, more sin abandoning the Lord serving other gods it sounds a lot like what we just read in Joshua doesn't it just the way he's warned and he said if you do this the Lord's going to abandon you the Lord's going to punish you and there, there one instance one of many instances where it came true uh, and then finally the Lord had had enough It says he's patient with our sins but his patience is not infinite uh, he sent the armies of Assyria to capture the northern kingdom, carry its people away to slavery in Assyria, and the only people who were left in, in the northern kingdom were the sick, the sick and the old of the, of the Jews who lived there. Uh, the, the rest were all, they brought all these pagans from all these different lands, and it says they, you know, this group brought their god, and this other group brought their own god, uh, and they served Baal. Baal, by the way, is sun worship, uh, and uh, they, brought, they brought that to them. Uh, and they became their descendants became known as the Samaritans. What's interesting, I wanted to focus on, is this use of the word fear, which, in contrasting ways, uh, in Second Kings seventeen, beginning in verse twenty-four. And the king of Assyria brought men from Babylon and from Kutha and from uh, Ava and from Hamath and from Sepharvaim and placed them in the cities of Samaria instead of the children of Israel and possessed Samaria and dwelt in the cities thereof. And so it was at the beginning of their dwelling there that they feared not the Lord. Therefore the Lord sent lions among them which slew some of them. Uh, and we, we just read it, it. It goes on there. I'm going to focus on this word fear uh, and. Reading down to verse uh, 32, thirty two see. so thirty two so they feared the Lord and made up to themselves of the lowest of them priests of the high places that 's god worship i 'm mean, not the Lord but pagan God. when you read high places that 's worship of pagan gods read groves uh, that 's particularly worship of, of the female deity Ashtaroth or various other names for her. But they made them priests, a pagan priests, which sacrificed for them in the houses of the high places. So they feared the Lord. And then verse 33, they feared the Lord and served their own gods after the manner of the nations whom they carried away. Uh, and then in 34, it says, Unto this day they do after the former manners. They fear not the Lord. Well, which is it? Did they fear the Lord or they didn't fear the Lord? In verse 34, it says they feared the Lord, and the next verse says they didn't fear the Lord. Do you think the writer who was writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit forgot that he wrote they feared the Lord a few seconds before, and he wrote they didn't, or is this a mistake in the Bible, some copyist mistake, for example? No. Excuse me. Uh, He's using fear in two meanings. In verse 33, they feared the Lord and served their own gods. So they feared the Lord. They realized the Lord had sent them lions. So they were afraid. They said, The God of this land has sent lions. So we have to be afraid. We have to appease him. Uh, So we have to. What do they do? serve our own gods we'll serve him and we'll serve our own gods too and we'll throw throw a bone to this god of this land they call the Lord because he sent lions to us and we're afraid of him but we'll also serve our own gods our own pagan gods but in reality as verse 34 explains they do after their former manners they do not fear the Lord in a God glorifying manner as we are to do and how do we know that they proved it? By ignoring his law, his commandments, his statutes. You know, there, there is fear of the Lord, which would be called dread, that causes people to run away from him. Uh, or that causes people to try to appease him by, you know, doing, oh, I'll be good, I'll be good, I'll be good. But, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll appease God that way. But what they do is they just make the Lord angrier by doing that. They feared the Lord and served their own gods, verse 33. Uh, They made what Matthew Henry calls a mongrel religion. Uh, They worshiped the God of Israel for fear and their own idols for love, is what he says. Uh, They they really loved their their own idols. See, the pagan idols were all to get something. You know, there's a God to get, you know, uh, money, and there's a God to get love, and there's a God to, for, uh, for, you know, health. And you, you pray to these different gods. But it's all gimme, gimme. You know, the God is set up to, to give me something. Uh, there wasn't anything about glorifying that God uh, other than just trying to get what you can get from it. They all agreed, though, these pagans, to worship the God of the land, the Lord. According to, to the manner, it says, what's the manner? Well, the, the Jewish festivals and the rites. Remember, uh, the king of Assyria sent a priest in and said, well, instruct these people how to worship your God, your Lord here. Instruct him how to do that. So he taught them the rituals, the sacrifices, uh, and, and all that. Uh, so they, they did that and they observed the holy days and all that but they all made gods of their own besides, they were afraid of the Lord as I said because he sent lions among them so they found out how he should be worshipped they followed all the rules but they also worshipped their other gods uh, but they wanted to appease the Lord okay, do you see the lessons the Lord has for us here is this just about pagans you know, centuries ago and it's interesting history well do you recognize the modern church here? For example, there are ritualists today. In every town, there's there's churches that are ritualists. Worshiping the Lord means you follow certain ceremonies, certain holy days. You have to have certain rote prayers, you know, word for word prayers, all the same. Uh, the, the the Buddhists are ritualists they have what they call a prayer wheel and they pray the same prayer over and over and over again for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours, and hours, and hours. the same prayer uh, or uh, uh, in the in the Roman Catholic Church that I grew up in uh, you know you go to confession and you're given penance and penance is to is to wipe away your your sin and so what's penance well it might be say Ten Hail Marys and five Our Fathers. And so you go out in the pew after confession and you say that, and then you're absolved of your sins. But it's a rote thing. You don't have to think about it. It's just, you know, Hail Mary, full of the grace, of the Lord is with the blessed art among the blessed, the Holy the Holy Spirit, the are the 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 dead. They Hail Mary, the, you know, just boom, boom, boom. I see some of you smiling, you know what I'm talking about. But that's ritualism. Uh, and that's being afraid of fearing the Lord, fearing the Lord's judgment, so you do what you think is going to appease Him, to make you better in His eyes. What ritualists ignore is that they're trying to please God by engaging in worship that He hasn't commanded. Worship, fact, that differs very little... The names of the gods are different, but praying to Jesus' mother to intercede for you, praying to dead men that the church has the the, the the Roman faith has canonized and called saints to save you or to intercede with God for you. There's no really essentially no difference between that and what we just read about in the Old Testament where they were praying to these various gods. It's idolatrous worship. Now there's also another kind of idolatrous worship that we read about today that applies to the modern church. And that would be what we would call liberal churches, theologically liberal churches, the mainline denominations. Most of them, uh, the the really big, the big Presbyterians, the big Methodists, those big denominations, uh, The people in the pews, at least the ones who still think of themselves as Christians, they think they're pleasing the Lord by doing things, going to church every Sunday, giving money, volunteering in the church, all the while pretending to ignore the fact that they're supporting a denomination that's not preaching the gospel. My wife grew up in a United Presbyterian Church, which is now part of the Presbyterian Church USA, Uh, But when she was growing up, uh, she told me she grew up in that church, went every Sunday, and she said she never heard the gospel. Never heard the gospel. Uh, And I've heard that from a lot of other people, that they don't, they they never, they hear little stories, you know, nice little stories the pastor tells about how his car broke down on the way to church or something. But uh, they don't hear the gospel and so they don't realize that, or they don't want to know, they don't want to think about that they're supporting an apostate denomination that in many cases uses their money to wage war on the family, to give to homosexual groups, uh, radical feminist groups, terrorists, communist revolutionaries. I'm not making this stuff up. It's, it's Just look it up. It's fact. Uh, so... Not only ritualists and uh, liberals, theological liberals or those in those churches have a lot in common with these ancient pagans. Modern fundamentalists, modern evangelicals, who will take every opportunity to shout praise the Lord and tell you how much Jesus has done for them. And don't get me wrong, I think very highly a lot of these people are very sincere. But you know, you can be sincere and be wrong. Can be sincerely wrong, uh, but they, you know, they, they may they may be sincere uh, and tell you how much Jesus has done for them and how God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Yet they serve their own gods. They fear not the Lord, neither do they after His law. To quote from from uh, a Second Kings here. Now, how do they serve their own gods? Well, let's count the ways. A lot of them ignore. The two thirds of the Bible we call the Old Testament, don't they? Well, we're New Testament Christians. Well, there ain't no such thing. But they ignore the Old Testament. They, well, it's interesting history, you know. Um, it's interesting history, and you know the God of the Old Testament—he was the angry. You know, he's the angry God. Jesus is the, is this nice one. So uh, we read about, you know, re- we just read it as history. They openly ridicule the idea, and certainly people have to me. And my, in former associations and churches uh, that a christian should ever fear the lord i was sitting in a session meeting one time and one of the elders said to me well, fear the lord What a horrible thing you know the lord is is good and sweet and kind and generous and he you know saved us why why should you be why should you be afraid of him he didn't understand what fear of the lord is and what, what about these, these, some of these fundamentalist and evangelical churches? Well, they break the commandment for how he is to be worshipped, don't they? Replace it with worship that feels good to them. Often including pictures of a blonde, blue-eyed hippie they call Jesus. So what do you like? You like contemporary service? We got contemporary service for you. You like traditional service? Well, we still got one of those for the old folks. That's at 7 a.m. You like rock? Hey, you know, we shout out for Jesus Sunday at 10 o'clock. Come on down. Or hip-hop? Maybe you like hip-hop. Then you want our encounter with Jesus. That's our cutting-edge worship. That's for the new generation. Best of all, that's on Saturday night, so you can sleep in on Sunday morning. I mean, after all, God doesn't care what day you worship Him. the fourth commandment, that's the Old Testament. Right? Well, in Isaiah 66, describing those who pollute Old Testament worship with their own ideas, the Lord describes a lot of what's going on in Christianity today. Let's take a look at Isaiah chapter 66, please. Last chapter of Isaiah, chapter 66, verse 3. Let's let's start with verse 1. I think that's a good place to start. Isaiah 66, verse 1. Thus saith the Lord... The heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that ye build up to me, and where is the place of my rest? For all those things hath mine hand made, and all those things that been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor, and of a contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word. He that killeth an ox is as if he slew a man. He that sacrificed a lamb is as if he cut off a dog's neck. He that offereth an oblation as if he offered swine's blood. He that burneth incense as if he blessed an idol. Yea, they have chosen their own ways, and their soul delighteth in their abomination. I also will choose their delusions, and will bring their fears upon them. Because when I called, none did answer. When I spake, they did not hear. They did evil before mine eyes, and chose that in which I delighted not. He says, what these people were doing looks to them like worship. You know, they, they kill an ox, they sacrifice a lamb, they offer an oblation, they, they burn incense. All these things are commanded in the Old Testament worship. But he says, what they're doing looks to them like worship, but it's an abomination to him. Why? 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 Because they have chosen their own ways, verse three. They have chosen their own ways. It's like Nahab and Abihu, remember? Said, you know, the sons of the, of the, the, the high priest were, t- were told, "Well, we're going to put incense on the altar." But you know, let's let's, you know, this incense is okay that the Lord commanded. But I know I've got some ideas for a much better smelling incense. And the Lord surely will be pleased with that. So let's mix up our own incense and put it on. What happened to them? The Lord killed them. Struck them down. Because they did not worship him in the manner that he had clearly prescribed. He said, he, "He," said, You say, oh, that's horrible. That's, that's terrible. Well, what the Lord is saying is, that's how seriously I take my worship. And you better not be mixing your own ideas with it, even if it's something that's... It seems very nothing to you to say, well, let's do some other incidents that smells better. You know. Well, let's throw out this psalm uh, that the Lord's given us a songbook, but let's throw that out because I think that uh, this song written by this man or this woman uh, is a better better thing to sing. And the Lord says, well, I gave you a songbook, and the church has always sung out of the songbook except in the last 150, 200 years or so when you started introducing man-made songs into it, which I never commanded. What makes you think this is... A, and New Testament worship is based on the worship of the, of the Old Testament on the synagogue. So you know, Jesus worshiped. Jesus didn't sing man-made songs, as we all know. He sang the, the Psalms. So, back to Isaiah 66. They basically aped the forms of worship the Lord requires. They made up worship they felt good about. They pat themselves on the back that they're pleasing God. Well, he says people like that who'd sacrifice an ox or a lamb might as well just murder someone. He who makes an offering to the Lord might as well offer the blood of a pig, you know, a filthy animal. He who prays might as well pray to an idol, he says verse, in chapter 66, for all the good it's going to do him. The Lord is saying to worship him is a high privilege, not a right. He doesn't permit just anybody to do it. you better approach him with clean hands and a clean heart and you're committing gross sin if you, as it says choose that in which he does not delight. Because, why? Because you have no business in choosing anything when it comes to worshiping him. At least choosing that's not in scripture. Or it's called today designing worship styles. I mean, what business do we have designing worship styles? The Bible gives us worships, the worship style. The Lord says, "When you choose your own ways, you're doing evil before His eyes, and will be punished. What you most fear will come upon you." As we just read, "What you most fear will come upon you." So, the ritualists, liberals, theological liberals, evangelicals, fundamentalists—many of them serve their own gods. They fear not the Lord, neither do they after His law. Now, contrast that with the one described in Isaiah 66 verse 2 of whom the Lord says on this one will I look on him who is poor and of a contrite spirit and who trembles at my word he is the one who finds favor with God there are two meanings as I said of fearing God there's dread which is ungodly which makes you either try to run away from him or try to appease his anger with good works and rituals. And there's also another kind of fear. It's godly fear, which makes you turn to his word, the Bible, to seek him with all your heart and obey his commandments. Let me give you a few reasons why we should fear God. the first and most important thing is that he commands that we fear him. Second, he has the power not only to make your life a living hell on earth, uh, but infinitely worse, cast your soul into hell unless you repent and turn to Christ. Uh, He promises... In Jeremiah 29, 13, you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. And what happens is he finds you. The third reason to fear him is that he tells us in Deuteronomy 6 that fear of him will cause us to keep his commandments. Fear of him will cause us to keep his commandments. And if we don't keep his commandments, we're none of his It's Deuteronomy 6. Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, what? Keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. Those who don't keep his commandments show they don't love Jesus, no matter what they might say. Fourth, if you want to know anything truthfully, if you want to be wise, fear of God is a prerequisite. Fear of God is... Comes before being wise. Psalm one, eleven, ten. The fear of the Lord is what? The beginning of wisdom. Right. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding goes on. And says a good understanding. Have all those who do His commandments. His praise endures forever. The fear of the Psalms and Proverbs say it several times. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And it's repeated, so we don't miss it. It's very important. We get it right. You want to be, you want to be wise. Fear the Lord. There are a lot of very smart people with a lot of knowledge, but they don't have any wisdom because they don't fear the Lord. They don't know how to use their knowledge properly. Man, I love Crick, the uh, uh, Nobel Prize winner for in genetics, knows everything that man probably knows about genetics, close to it. Very, very smart, knowledgeable person. But does he have wisdom? Well, he thinks that life began on Earth. Life began on Earth when space aliens came to earth millions of years ago and seeded the earth that's how human beings came to earth and he seriously says that so that's the difference between knowledge and wisdom right? he doesn't fear the Lord he doesn't fear the Lord he'd rather believe that that's that's what atheism he would rather believe that than believe that God created the earth and created the universe and created man he would rather believe that Uh, uh, remember I mentioned I'll I'll mention again because I think it's so good when Harley Blue was here a few weeks ago for the ordination um, after a conversation with him and a few of us he said that uh, he repeated what he was told by uh, uh, someone once, a a teacher who said uh, when you talk to an atheist he said don't bother trying to argue with them and prove things and he said Get to the core of it. Say, why are you so angry against God? Why are you angry at God? And he said that quite often will just cut through all of the stuff because what it is is they're angry at God for something. Well, if they're, you know, I'm angry at God because he, you know, took away my little brother, or my mother died, or, you know, whatever. My my son is in a wheelchair. Whatever it might be, they're angry at God. That was very interesting. Okay. Beginning, the starting point of true knowledge and wisdom is having fear of the Lord. If you want, you want to know anything properly, if you want wisdom, you don't want to live your life as a fool. A fool is a person who does not know God, does not believe in God, does not believe in the Lord. Fear the Lord and seek Him with all your heart. Fifth, okay, we said why you should fear the Lord first. He commands us to do it, to fear Him. Second, He has the power to cast... To make your life on earth a living hell and to cast your soul in hell. Uh, Third, he tells us in Deuteronomy, fear of him will cause us to keep his commandments. And if we don't keep his commandments, we are not of his. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Fourth, if you want to be wise, fear the Lord. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, beginning of knowledge. Fifth, if you want to live your life in holiness and not in evil, fear the Lord. What does that mean? Proverbs sixteen, six. By the fear of the Lord, one departs from evil. You can't run from evil under your own power. If you want to flee if you want to flee from evil, fear the Lord. Seek him with all your heart. Please turn to Psalm twenty five, verse twelve. 25 beginning in verse 12 what man is he that feareth the Lord him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose his soul his soul shall dwell at ease and his seed shall inherit the earth the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him and he will show them his covenant Matthew Henry says on this verse, Even when the body is sick and lies in pain, yet the soul may dwell at ease in God, may return to Him and repose in Him as its rest. So if you want the Lord Himself to teach you in all truth, to direct you in the paths of blessing, to live without fearing the future, knowing that no matter what happens in your life, that the Lord is working all things together, For good, fear the Lord. If you want your children to inherit the earth, that is to live confidently in it rather than in fear, to subdue it, to have it in subjection to them as the masters of God's household serving under him as vice regents rather than the world and the devil holding them in fear and subjection. If you want them and yourself to live in spiritual comfort and assurance on the earth rather than in spiritual bondage and terror, fear the Lord. Those who truly fear God near, need not fear men. Psalm 34.9 says, O fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want or lack of anything to them that fear him. Finally, in Hebrews 12, let's look at Hebrews 12, please. We'll finish with this. Beginning in verse 18. Contrasting dread and godly fear. For ye are not come unto the mount that might be touched and that burned with fire, nor unto blackness and darkness and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words, which voice they that heard and them, that the word should not be spoken to them any more, For they could not endure that which was commanded, and if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with the dart. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. But ye are come unto Mount Zion, And unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinklings that speaketh better things than that of Abel. See that refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And, yet, and this word, yet once more, signified the removing of those things that are shaken as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. Let them now that fear the Lord say that his mercy endureth forever. Let's go to him in prayer. Father, we indeed pray for fear, godly fear, not dread, Father, but godly fear of Thee for so many reasons, Father, that it to live in accordance with Thy will, to cause us to keep Thy commandments, as Thou promised in Scripture, Father, that uh, fear of Thee will cause us to keep Thy commandments, to be wise, Father, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, that it may be for us and for our children and for their children after them through the generations, Father, that we may be live in this world without fear, that we may subdue it and have it in subjection to, to us and to them rather than the other way around, Father. So make it true in our life, Father. Let us this week walk Apply this sermon to our hearts, Father, Thy holy word to our hearts, that we might this week, as never before, walk in full confidence, having godly fear, which produces patience, produces truth, produces spiritual comfort, produces assurance that we are one in Christ. Thank you, Father.